Hi, I'm Tracy Dean with the U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command's Army Research Laboratory. Welcome to What We Learned Today, a podcast where we talk with Army scientists and engineers about the science and technology that will modernize the United States Army and make our soldiers stronger and safer. Today, I talk with Dr. Stephen Lee, who is the Army Senior Research Scientist for Interdisciplinary Sciences at the Army Research Office, an element of the laboratory. He serves as the foremost expert in the field for research between many different fields. Lee helps plan and develop the future vision of basic research, coordinating the individual extramural programs with the needs of the soldier and army intramural laboratories while maintaining an active research program. Lee previously served as the ARL chief scientist, the ARO chief scientist, and helped transition the Defense Threat Reduction Agency's chemical and biological defense program in the early 2000s. Lee is an adjunct chemistry faculty member at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Previously, he was the adjunct faculty member at Duke University. He earned a doctorate of philosophy from Emory University in physical organic chemistry. Stephen, welcome to what we learned today. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate your time. Great. So first, let me congratulate you on winning the 2020 Theodore Roosevelt Government Leadership Award, more commonly referred to as the Teddy Award. You were awarded in the Defenders category. So tell me what led to you receiving this award. Well, it's a great honor for me to receive the uh, Teddy Award in the Defenders category. The Defenders category relates to national security and and, and your work uh, to support national security. I was nominated by uh, an industrial partner that I work with for the recognition of my work with industry and academia wide. Obviously, at ARO, our primary uh, mission is working with the extramural basic research program, supporting uh, universities and research uh, across the spectrum in basic and fundamental research. In that, we are involved with small businesses, transitioning that technology or the science and research into possible technologies. I was recognized for my work to transition uh, research from universities to uh, small businesses and ultimately into the laboratories and into major programs of record. Specifically in this case, uh, this year we had uh, the transition of the uh, CETUS program, the Chemical Indicator Decontamination Assurance Spray, to the uh, program of record and fielding to the Big Green Army. And I was also recognized for my work with small business innovative research programs, uh, supporting um, military working dog related research that I'm also involved in, where we transitioned to hearing and protection and eye protection to the military working dog. So those combined efforts, uh, which uh, I've been working on for a couple of years, really culminated this year to products getting out to the soldier. Your early career research was focused on science and technology that might protect the soldier from hazardous chemicals, explosives, and biological organisms. Please explain to a non-scientific person what exciting chemistry and research you have conducted and how that has impacted the soldier. Absolutely, and that's what's excited me about my job and being an ST and, and working for the Army Research Laboratory is the cutting-edge chemistry science that, that I've been involved in to provide capability for the, for the soldier. So my background is, while I'm in the interdisciplinary ST, my background is actually with respect to chemistry, organic, physical organic, uh, inorganic chemistry, and those are the kinds of things I've been involved in uh, in my early career at ARO running uh, a chemistry program. So what excited me uh, over the years has been uh, talking with academia, thinking about the new ideas, how to use chemistry to either detect, neutralize, 
chemicals, whether it's explosives, so detection of uh, explosives, chemical warfare agents, other hazardous chemicals that might be out there in the battlefield space. So what excited me with that is how broad it is and how fundamental it is. So I've been involved in research uh, from fundamental chemistry to more applied chemistry and technology for detectors that go into the field. Right now, the best kind of sensor you have out there is, is a dog for smell. Olfaction uh, of uh, working dogs is uh, sensitive. They understand uh, basic obedience and commands and, and actually can follow the soldier and, and uh, do many things that uh, without having verbal commands, just knowing this is how we work together with the dogs. The chemistry we were studying originally was really exciting. How can we emulate a dog's nose? So we, we had programs over the years that invested in simulating a dog's nose. We've developed technologies that are out in the field, like the Fido explosive detector, which simulates, and, and it's not nearly as sensitive as, as a dog's nose. We've worked with many other animals, whether it be birds, dogs, uh, elephants, whatnot, to understand how they smell. And they all have different patterns, and they all rely on different uh, uh, olfaction capability to, to work in, in their environment. For dogs, uh, once we had designed this artificial dog nose and designed the chemistry with MIT, with uh, Professor Swagger, we put it in a system and it was successfully deployed and you can still find it uh, in, in theater in many places at gates, screening uh, vehicles and people for explosives. But what we did was we, we had uh, managed to uh, cut the dog out of the equation. So suddenly when we had this artificial dog nose, we had to start training soldiers to do what some of the dogs did naturally, searching. How do they search? And every animal searches a little bit differently, cats versus dogs versus uh, snakes versus um, elephants. They search in olfaction in different ways, have different search patterns, but we had to train the soldier how to be like a dog. And that's what really got me, the, the chemistry got me excited about, the sensors that got me excited about, how can we look at the dog and understand how it operates in, 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 as a working dog and learn from it to guide robotics, to guide our sensors, to guide the chemistry that we're doing to sense explosives and chemical warfare agents. So now I've turned towards uh, uh, research where I'm involved with uh, working dogs, understanding not just olfaction, but how to protect them, how to enable them better in the battlefield, how them, how to make them work with the, the actual soldier, because they are the perfect uh, partnering team. You know, we're designing uh, mules and, and artificial dogs and all these things, but we really already have a system out there that partners perfectly with the soldier, and they they're they're very effective at what they do, whether it's smell or or or, or hearing the things in the battlefield or simply biting in the battlefield as a, as a tactical partner. But the chemistry that ultimately I was working originally in, in olfaction, smell and olfaction is what excited me and got me working with the military working dog. We will talk a bit more about your research with military working dogs, but first tell me what was the spark that ignited your passion for this field of science? Well, it was really that. It was seeing the culmination, uh, the spark that it, it ignited my passion for the field of science that I work in was first the chemistry and how do we understand and use that chemistry and tools for the soldier. Uh, and then when I got to see the impact of, for example, the FIDO system or the chemical agent detection kit that we fielded to the soldier in, in, in to the National Guard units, what really excited me then was, well, wow, we've really got this new chemistry. What's the next step in using this chemistry more effective? 
And that's where I realized that there's a that there's a transitional a translation an innovation uh, aspect where we need action on taking the fundamental chemistry and putting it into systems that actually work. And that's what ignited my passion for the field of science of detectors and decontaminants and protective uh, gear like uh, the uniform and whatnot. But also the military working dog was taking that chemistry, better understanding it, and then how to apply it. And the dog has ser served as a model for that where I can understand, you know, these are the type of things that we're doing effectively and how can we better translate that. So a lot of my work is uh, hands-on with the soldier. So uh, I'm often on uh, teams calls. I'm often on calls with actual soldiers out in the field and getting their feedback on the sensor systems, getting their feedback on what they really need, and then going and identifying that transition, that partner that has the innovative idea that can solve their problem. It falls in a gap between um, traditional basic and applied research and transition into an exciting area where you can look at picking up low-hanging fruit of technological solutions that might have been used for something else that we can repurpose to help the soldier. And that's what gives me my passion is going out and finding ideas, technology, science, uh, providing the foundations of good rigorous uh, detectors, decontaminants, protective ensembles. Great transition into our next uh, part of the discussion. So let's talk about your research with military working dogs. What is the purpose of this type of research and how can it ultimately benefit the soldier of the future? So, you know, for thousands of years, uh, dogs have uh, been working in, in a military setting with, uh, uh, with the soldier, with, with security, different operations. You can go back 2,000 years and see drawings of uh, units of other foreign militaries uh, using dogs, whether it was for uh, defensive uh, positions or it's for a medical rescue, of finding wounded soldiers like in World War One, and and and, uh, and bringing people to those wounded soldiers so they could be treated. You know, we've had a kind of a co-evolution with dogs over uh, approximately forty thousand years, where they have become a perfectly autonomous system that operates with us, understands us. In fact, uh, there's some research out there that shows that that they you know, uh, at a younger age can better understand than human infants uh, some of the things, uh, cues that come from uh, people like pointing. Many animals don't understand pointing, almost not at all except for humans and dogs. So what got me excited in this particular area is the different things. There really isn't solutions or there isn't a research program that addresses the needs of the military working dog and the soldier working with that dog. Uh, there, there is no program of record out there that does this kind of research. But ARL uh, has a significant uh, knowledge and expertise that could use to augment the working dog. In particular, microelectronics uh, is a good example. The, the, in the commercial impacts of that are small cell phones, the cameras in them, the small electronics, the battery work ARL's done over the years, the com computer work, that, that the computational work that's happening has empowered a small electronics out there. So while we're building these robotic systems, mules and cheetahs and dogs, and we're using these power systems, why not apply these same things as a low-hanging fruit target to the military working dog? So now we can put cameras, we can put lightweight body armor on dogs, we can begin to empower that working dog with, with the, that electronics and, and new materials that we've de developed, whether it's for protection, armor, or whatnot. So what I've been doing is, um, is looking at it. I started in the smell, an olfaction area of understanding how dogs smell explosives and drugs and those kinds of things. And I've spent a lot more talking to the uh, time talking to the user about how can we make this dog more effective. And what you see is the dog is uh, 
an invaluable tool for many agencies, not just the Army or DOD, but for Border Patrol, for TSA at airports. So how can we make that dog more effective? Let's take a technology and science look at it. So we spend a lot more time on hearing protection, eye protection, uh, cameras and different gear we can add to the dog, harnesses and collars, uh, smart collars, smart harnesses. How can we better monitor and engage the dog uh, and enhance its performance? So we've got everything from eye protection to hearing protection to augmented reality for canines so we can better interact. Things that we've developed for other purposes, repurposing them and helping protect the dog. New booties with advanced materials that protect their feet in, 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 in situations that might damage their feet. Uh, protective coverings that, you know, and transportation kennels that are, that are air conditioned that can protect in a chem bio environment. So there's many things that we are looking at now at the fundamentals. And not just dogs, but looking at other animals and seeing how we can be inspired by how they, through biomimicry, how they search, how they sense, how they interact in the real world. There's a lot we can learn from that. If I drop a dog into a room uh, and ask it to search, it runs around in a pattern very fast. If uh, I ask, uh, let's pick uh, an elephant, if I drop an elephant in the room and ask it to search, it's going to search in a different way from the dog. So those are different search algorithms. How can we understand them? How can we take those to the soldier? And ultimately, we will take these to the soldier. Here's the idea. I did this already. This, you know, we developed an artificial dog nose. Well, where are we going to look for the explosives? So we did research to understand if the explosives in this corner or in a bag. You know, look at the bag. Where do you look at in a car? You look at the wheel well. You crack the window. You look in the trunk in certain spaces where the explosive vapor would accumulate. Same thing uh, with the robotic systems. We need to understand and take what we're learning from dogs and transition that to the robotic systems where there's an unmanned ground vehicle that can search a room. Well, how's it going to search? Is it going to search like a dog does very fast? Maybe it's not capable of. So how does a, how does a, a bird or, or a snake or a, an, even that, an elephant, search the room? We can use those inherent and understand those inherent search algorithms to enhance those tools for the warfighter, not just the dog, but the robotics and all the other things that go with them as we develop more sophisticated sensors. The FIDO system, is that a part of the algorithms that you, you're building upon? So the FIDO explosive detector is a, is a product that was originally uh, produced by Nomadics. Uh, it it is, uh, comes out of research on amplifying polymers at uh, MIT under Professor Tim Swagger. The, 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 the chemistry, and that's interesting, the chemistry was developed to define a TNT. It, it's very effective. It's an amplifying polymer, so one TNT molecule creates a big signal. Um, Nomadics is a small business using the Small Business Innovative Research Program partner with Tim to, to, to make the FIDO explosive detector. So it's an artificial dog nose. Uh, it was a collaboration of the Army Research Laboratory uh, with ARO and, and DARPA. And ultimately matured to a detector, a handheld detector that you can find at, at one time in airports, probably over $100 million worth of sales for that particular product that's in the field. Um, the last time I noted uh, base security in, in overseas in many places still uses the FIDO explosive detector. But it is the fundamental chemistry that went into a, a system that had to be designed and then designed so that its form factor met what the soldier needed. So it's handheld so the soldier can walk up and search vehicles and search bags and things like that. Um, and then we literally had to teach them how to be like the dog. This is where you're going to search to find the explosives. Okay, so to the extent that you're able to share, what key initiatives of your research should we be aware of? 
In my own research, what really excites me right now is that empowering of the military working dog. I, I uh, obviously in, a, in the current COVID situation right now, there uh, the uh, COVID has dramatically impact impact how we do things. There's research out there that continues an olfaction for dogs to for dogs to sense patients that might have COVID or symptoms of COVID. So that's an exciting uh, initiative that's going on out there that uh, I'm on the periphery of. Uh, I think really it is a step back and look at, uh, for me, the key initiative is step back and look at the military working dog. Do you have, um, across your laboratory, do you have research you're doing that might help enhance the capability of that dog? Eventually, we'll pull our robotics and it'll get closer to emulating a, a working dog and it can do things in situations that dog can never do, like walk into a burning building. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to leverage back and forth. But if you have technology and research out there, I'm interested in, in taking that research and your ideas and applying it to to unique problems and the, of the military working dog. Now, also uh, with the, the COVID response, um, I, I wrote a, a handbook a few years back on uh, decontamination of chemical and biological warfare agents. And right now I've been doing also a lot of leveraging of that kind of chemistry and physics to cleaning up after COVID, whether it's using UV light sources, of which ARL has a very uh, strong program in UV light sources, uh, to to clean surfaces, whether it's some um, reactive powders or, 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 or wet chemistry that you can use to clean a surface and decontaminate. Those kinds of things have gotten much more uh, exciting, including applying that to the military working dog. Because if, if the dog, um, particularly with police, if the dog's out there interacting with the public, you know, these people might have uh, be a shedding virus. So how do you clean the dog more securely and that sort of thing? So there's, those are some of the key initiatives that I've got going on in my research. This is my personal research. Obviously, from the Army Research Office perspective, I have a, a great deal of uh, uh, emphasis on how do I help those program managers with an ARO identify new areas, whether it be physics, life sciences, chemistry, materials, electrical engineering, um, <clears throat> mathematics, and whatnot. All those particular areas, I'm helping identify opportunities and encouraging them to find those exciting research opportunities in academia that will lay the foundation for the future soldier. So let's talk a bit about multi-domain operations. We, we've heard a lot about multi-domain operations over the last few, few weeks. So this is the Army's new way to fight and win in the future. So what will research in military working dogs bring into this fight? You know, uh, that's the reality of it. Uh, the, they, they, the military working dog, um, a tactical military working dog, provides sensor information that will feed into that uh, multi-domain operations across the whole scale. Because suddenly you have an extra set of eyes and an extra set of hands, teeth, to reach out in, in, across the battlefield. What we're doing right now is integrating the uh, military working dog into the ATAC system that is used uh, by uh, uh, the special operations community. So on a broader sense, across the battlefield, you'll, the, the, the leaders and the, the units will be able to see and engage what the military working dog sees, what the military working dog hears, and be, use that as an, an enhancing tool that is autonomously supporting the soldier as they're moving into combat operations. So what, what I see is we're beginning to, with these lightweight electronics and new power sources, we can censor up the dog and Excitingly, we're integrating that into the entire uh, battlefield. So you'll be able to see what they do and know how to respond to that, communicate with the dog through the, 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 the network. Uh, that excites me. I think that 
some of the things we've done is develop tags and, and location uh, locators that we can apply. The dog can drop sensors that can help set up communication networks across the battlefield that the dog can drop. Um, you know, and we've already beginning to integrate those into the broader comms across the multi-domain operations. Okay. So across the Army, there are less than 50 senior research scientists, known as STs, who serve as general officer equivalents, advising leadership on science matters. What do you see as the best practice for the ST community as a whole? And what are you, as a research leader, doing to help make the Army of the future stronger when it comes to interdisciplinary research? So I'm currently the president chair of the ST Corps for all Army STs. So in that role, what I'm seeking to do is to enhance and grow our, our presence. STs are um, uh, senior research scientists uh, through experience and qualifications, have uh, general officer level equivalency, and we need to open and better communicate what we're doing. And it goes both ways. We need to talk about the research that we've got going on, and we need to reach in and get the Army and leadership to communicate back to us how can we best support. So right now, I'm focused primarily on communication both ways between senior leaders of the uh, management of the Army and S&T programs as well as getting the STs more integrated into the actual process of how decisions are made technically. So right now as the ST uh, Corps Chairman, we're, we're having regular meetings with different uh, stakeholders, different programs across uh, Army Futures Command, CCDC, to uh, communicate what it is the STs actually do. What are their research expertise and, and, and knowledge that they have? How can we integrate them back into the CFTs if they're not integrated into the CFTs? How can we get them back and integrated into the, e, the, the essential research programs of ARL if they're not that tightly integrated? So I see it mostly in my role as a communications generator that's going to be in centralizing, getting the ST core excited about what is happening across the Army, explaining it to them, whether it's a project convergence or it's a catalyst pathfinder, getting the STs to mentor communicate both directions up and down the chain of command all the way to the the bench level scientists to junior scientists up to the the two three four star generals about the science we're engaged in helping review the process getting us more visible it's often easy to not uh you know be comfortable in your research bubble where you're working on your research projects but what i want to do is grow and i believe the st core has changed over the past 20 years but we want to have a better and stronger, more impactful process, which we engage Army leadership all the way from the top down to the bottom in, in, in the trenches. And I think they were ultimately a valuable resource. We were brought on board to have those communications. We had been successful in our research in a wide ranging uh, different areas. So, you know, uh, I see it as an opportunity as a core to give back to the Army and, you know, raise the profile of the science and research. Perfect segue into our next question, which is, given the collective intellect of the ST community, how does this group make America's Army stronger? Well, each one of the individual ST positions and how they're selected have changed over the years, but they're traditionally related to important areas of, of research the Army, energetics, propulsion, electronics, um, uh, mathematics, things that are core foundational aspects of maneuver and, and support and fires. That, that that we need to enhance the Army's capability. 
So what I'm hopeful is if we can, while we're each as our own and we're engaged at different levels as individuals in the, uh, from the STs in our own organizations, we can broaden that technical expertise and apply it to new areas and communicate with other parts of the Army about what, what it is that the STs as a community can do, serving as review panels for programs, providing input, uh, providing analysis of alternatives uh, in research and, and different thoughts that aren't constrained by the necessary management of people and organizations because we don't do that as STs, but really getting deep down into the science, the, the art of research and technology for the soldier. Okay, so in your role as Senior Research Scientist for Interdisciplinary Research, how do you think we're doing making new discoveries, pushing the boundaries of science and technology for future American soldiers? Uh, I think uh, that we're doing fantastic. I think that the Army and the programs we have have the agility and the, the funding and the structure. Uh, there could always be more of all of that. Uh, to accomplish goals to, to, to better protect and empower the soldier and empower the Army. Uh, absolutely. We've got the long-term, uh, uh, we've protected in the long-term view for basic research for the future soldier. We've got the expertise now to, to help protect the, the in the midterm and, and, and now help protect the soldier. Things that we were doing 20 years ago are, are truly in the hands of the warfighter now. So, you know, I think our our role uh, in interdisciplinary is looking, for me, is looking at the edges of science. Where can I bring different scientific approaches together to empower a new capability, a new technology, or simply just change the how the soldier operates? Can we do something different better? That's what I'm really excited about. And that's where you're going to be pushing the boundaries of fundamental science and technology and creating new things. And that's really one of the things I'm doing, like, for the working dog is a key example. I'm taking edges of electronics and battery power and, you know, fabrics and materials, and they're already being done for the soldier, whether it's for the kit that they wear, and, and reapplying them in a, in a way to the military working dog. You know, how can I take that and, and adjust it and use it to enhance this, to enhance robotics? How can I learn from robotics, you know, and feedback to the dog? So those are the kinds of things on the, the, the boundaries of individual areas of science and technology, looking at innovation, looking at in, and changing that to action, innovative action, you know, where you're acting on the innovation. That really excites me. And I think that's where we're going to get new discoveries for the, the future soldier that are really going to pay off. Excellent. Senior Research Scientist for Interdisciplinary Sciences, Dr. Stephen Lee. Stephen, thank you for taking time today. It was very enlightening. Thank you very much. Uh, delighted to participate in this forum. Well, thanks for joining us for what we learned today. In upcoming episodes, we'll continue the discussion about the underpinning research that will build the Army of the future. Please consider liking and subscribing. Science is a journey of discovery, and we're glad you're along for the ride. For the Army Research Lab, I'm Tracy Dean.